0: you want to see the future of the aluminum industry? If you don't have a mentor, you're going to take 10 times longer to figure something. You have to listen to the customer, uh, what are their needs, what are their problems. Pay attention, look around, what is your voltage? We can say that we are one of the leaders of So, hi team. Thank you for being here with us. Uh, and this is another episode of Dirty Scrap. And how are you doing today? Living the dream,
1: living the dream, Julio. Yourself?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good. Thank you so much for making time for us again. And okay, let's start this. I want to understand how a guy like has your background, you know, you business and economy, um, bachelor, right? And then you have this, um, corporate sustainability studies getting to the aluminum industry so tell me about your background how did you get into the aluminum industry and then we will build everything from there
1: yeah it you know it was definitely um, uh, you can say it is a broken road to get here it is definitely not in my path uh to be in the recycling industry i got out of out of school and uh, became a financial advisor uh, you know had my insurance mm. investment licenses um hated it uh it wasn't <laughs> enough. It, was, you know, it was why all, all, all kind of the stuff out out in the future and, and and certainly on the insurance side you're really excited about it when somebody dies and that was a little depressing for me right. uh, <laughs> y- y- you know yeah. you're, you're helping people with life insurance and it's you know it just wasn't that fulfilling at, at, at the time um so so i actually got out of that um all through high school and college i swung hammers uh building houses in the summertime so had an affinity for the construction industry. Um, So I called on the local Caterpillar dealership for like six months until they let me in and gave me a job. Um, And so I did that for a while. So all around St. Louis, Missouri, um, you know, sold, sold Caterpillar equipment and one of my favorite customers was Shapiro Metals. Uh, they had Bobcat across all 10 of their facilities, and we converted them to Cat um, all the way across. Uh, they wanted to be standard um, that whole way, and um, got to know a lot of the guys at Shapiro, uh, Bob Alvarez and Bruce Shapiro, obviously, and Rick Dobkin, When we'd be going in there and, 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 and talking about equipment. One day, we signed a deal for some more machines, and as I was walking out of the office, Bob Tap me on the shoulder and said, Hey, come back in. Let's, let's chat about uh, the recycling industry. And, you know, the rest is history. I, I jumped on about six years ago. Um, and it's been incredible. I mean, it it is, it is an industry where there's always something new to learn. The longer I'm in it, the, the less I realize I know. Um, and the people in it are all incredible. I mean, it's a, uh, it, it's a really good place to be. And so, you know, since then, it's just been Going a million miles a minute trying to trying to build right. a network and build friends in the industry and you know ultimately you know help uh, help our customers. Great.
0: And and how do you feel about the recycling industry from the scrap yard? Because Shapiro Metal is a huge company, been in the market for a long time, more than a hundred years. And talking about recycling, everyone is talking about recycling right now, but I think everyone is more focusing on foundries, but not talking too much about the 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 importance that the scrap yard has in this industry. So how do you feel about the recycling industry getting to the scrap yard and what are those practices that you are seeing daily basis uh, for the for the sustainability? Because it's it's not easy, right? When you go to a foundry well, what you will see is people is struggling with sorting, finding the right scrap mashing the scrap with the right technology, but everything goes back to the basic that is the scrap So how do you feel that? How do you see that? Yeah,
1: you know, it's it's a really interesting thing. We only deal with industrial manufacturers, right? So you can't come right. to Shapiro Yard and drop off your old car, or your washing machine. Um we're only dealing with, you know, people who make cars and planes and uh, you know, the the stainless steel mugs that you that you drink out right. of, right? And before coming in this industry, I didn't have any clue about the avalanche of, of waste that's out there from these manufacturers? I mean, you think about um, how big some of these systems are, right? To ensure that you're going to have, you know, the exact model of car on every car dealership across America or the 737 right. is going to have these parts exactly on time. Um, the, the, apparatus monstrous, um, the planning is monstrous and, uh, the amount of material that leaves these facilities is, is incredible. And, and, and so a lot of times, you know, um, Manufacturers don't understand um, how to make the backside of their facility sustainable. Right? They they they're concerned about how many parts for the seven thirty seven out, or how many how many wheels they're making, or, or whatever. I mean, exactly what they should be focused on, of course. Um, but but it's just an afterthought what happens in the alley, and so you know, really through my time at Shapiro and in this industry, you know, we, we've seen so much opportunity to help our customers before it even gets to the scrapyard, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we, we're we not even um, really a type of company that wants to um, be doing a lot of sorting. We want to move material really quickly, um, you know, and so if we can help our customers uh, get it right at their facility, at the point of generation, um, and then help them tell stories about, um, the sustainability improvements that they've made you know that that's really what we're going for and so um and that you know obviously downstream right uh Shapiro right. I think uh through Rick Dobkin and and, and Bruce uh, of course you know I I, I uh, is known for being a company that um, produces good material when we send it to the mills um you know and, and a lot of that starts with the front end work uh with our customer service team and obviously the sales team um training and educating and, and coaching and then reporting and storytelling uh uh, about where our customers started and where where we've been able to take them to
0: when you talk about coaching from the recycling scrapyard point of view how's that how does work what is the the purpose and how you do it what is the what is the main goal of the coaching from the scrapyard
1: yeah i mean it's really twofold right i mean um certainly there, there's a monetary aspect, uh, the business aspect for the, for the customer, right. Um, that, that mm-hmm. needs to be coached and educated on. Um, and then there's absolutely the, the sustainability, the recycling, um, the downstream effects, right. Whether that's safety, you know, Hey, it's an aluminum roll off. So I'm going to throw my aluminum cans in there cause that makes sense to me, but right. You know, that produces danger downstream, um, to, to making sure that material, um, you know, um, is being recycled in the first. Um, so on the business case side, um, we had a customer um where they were were in aerospace, uh a huge amount of revenue was was coming from their segregated 70-50 aluminum. Right. Um, but they kept getting downgrades, right? They had a big pucking machine, all this kept getting downgrades because there was other aluminums in there. Um you know, and, and it was costing a significant amount of money. I mean, six figures plus. And yeah, um, we went on site with our team, We we sat there for a day, we watched what was happening. And Talk to the management and we found out that the lowest paid guy in the entire company um the 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 folks who are actually moving the material on the forklift uh, and dumping it into the roll-offs uh, from the pucker to the roll-off um mm. lowest paid guy highest turnover so anytime you you'd even do some training that guy would be gone in a week and there'd be another guy who you know was just waiting for five o'clock to to leave and um, so we actually had a lot of conversations, went in, um, brought pizzas for all the material handlers, for all their managers, you know, had discussions about, hey, like this guy's got hundreds of thousands of dollars in his hands, you know. Yeah. Like, how how can <laughs> it work to 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 make that role a little more sticky for folks um who, who are in it and and really help them. Um, from, from a major dollar standpoint, improve where they were, obviously that helps with sustainability and with the mills and the foundries and everybody's downstream not having mixed material. Um, right. But then also on the sustainability side, um, we, we've got a customer in Atlanta. Um, we were just doing a, a regular visit like we do, dropping off donuts, saying, hey, checking in on them. Uh, and one of our CSRs uh, happened to look in the roll off and 75% mm-hmm. of it was carbon, right? And so we asked some questions. Found out that that roll off gets picked up five days a week. Um, You know, it's less than one ton every time it gets picked up. Uh, They're actually paying on that contract uh, for a minimum of three tons uh, Mm -hmm. every time that thing gets picked up, uh, and it's all going to landfill. Um, You know, so we were able to actually put in some equipment, build some new processes for them, and save them about twenty grand a year. And, And then, you know, we're able to tell them the story about uh 20 grand from the pickup fees the landfill fees right uh, right care, right uh, plus the revenue on, on on the cardboard um you know and, and we're able to tell them a story that they can bring back up to corporate and say hey like we we, we diverted this many tons from the landfill of beautiful cardboard that absolutely should be recycled 100 percent of the time it's all going to landfill and now we're recycling it and you can convert that to trees you can convert that to all kinds of other uh, other metrics to right help them tell the story but um, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of people don't understand um, where material has to go, why it has to go um, and why they're doing what they're doing um, and why we ask them to do the things. That. So if we can connect with them, if we can spend the time with them and then give them the stories to tell. Um, that's, that's really, you know, uh, a good training program I think is going to deliver those.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm totally agree. And, and, and it's, it's very interesting that you are talking about the landfills because for example, if you go to Europe in, in Europe, it's a totally different story, right? Landfills there are like prohibited or very expensive here in the United States, it's a little bit different. You have more, more space to be like, you know, sustainable, but also use the landfills that make no sense. In some point, if, if if you see it from the circular economy point, right? Uh, but I was talking with this guy a uh, few days ago, and I didn't I I didn't understand why 55 percent of the cans that we are producing in the United States goes to the landfill instead of recycling industry. Why? So I don't know if you have any idea about that. But you are in, uh, uh, on a jar. Why do you think we are keeping these practices when we have people like you that can help us to close the loop? Because at the end, what we need to do is to close the loop. Everything that you are recycling goes to up to a product, final product. And then you have the post-consume scrap. The post-consume scrap can go back to the back jar uh, to the scrap jar and start the process again, right? It's, it's not that you can recycle it for uh, any for whatever you want, but you can do it as much as you can why do you think the landfill is still there as an option when you have companies like you that you are able to teach the people how to do it that you are able to sort the material why why is that
1: yeah you know i, I think it it's a
0: complicated question to to. Yeah, to, I, to yeah, answer. i'm not going
1: to give you a sufficient answer but but my my very small two cents on it is, is a it's money Right. I mean, you know, but, uh, unless there's legislation or some other uh, compulsory measure, um, you know, business decisions are going to be business decisions um, with that. And, and you know, I think that's changing. Right. Our, our customers, our industrial manufacturers that are are European base are right. leading the way here in the United States, um, you know, to to go zero landfill, to to reduce this. We're seeing that actually be pushed from their leadership so mm-hmm. that business leadership is going to be huge. Um, and again, it's starting with with the European based companies. Um, I think the other thing too, even as you mentioned the the, the aluminum cans that you know individuals right throw away, you know it's no different than the than the training in, in a manufacturing space. You got to make the right thing easy. If the right thing right. is hard, you know, human nature doesn't change. Um, you know, I mean, it's 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 going to be difficult to do better, uh, even in, in, in my neighborhood here. You know, we got a letter from um, our, our recycling company that takes our, our recycling bin a couple of years ago. said, hey, we're not taking cardboard anymore. So I've got, you know, a garage full of cardboard that I'm hoping to load up in my truck at some point this week and drive it about 15 minutes down the road. Um, you know, you, you can make an argument: is, is does does the gas justify uh, you know <laughs> <does> the five <laughs> yeah. tons of cardboard that I'm actually going to put in the in the in the bin? But um, you know, it it is not altogether easy all the time, and yeah, I think we need to be thoughtful about how we do that. You know, I, one one thing that I've learned is you know, so much of recycling is is not after you've made the made the the thing that could be recycled or trash. Um, you know, it's it's designing the process ahead of time to to make sure that there's something to do with it, to make sure that it's easily recyclable, to make sure that it's not confusing. Um, you know, and, and I think a lot of that, you know, I mean, I was in the airport last week and they've got a a, a a a trash bin that says trash on it. Then right next to it, they got the one with the blue lid and it says, um, you know, recycle <laughs> right on it. So you got the option. And, and I looked at right. it. I'm in the business. Right. And I'm always looking at trash and cardboard. To, uh as an aside, I was at a Chipotle with with my number two yesterday and we were talking business and the Chipotle guy came out with a whole cart of cardboard and we stopped him and we said, what are you guys doing? What does Chipotle do with your cardboard right so, <laughs> always looking at the stuff but but back to the airport right you know trash bin recycling bin and they had the same stuff in it, right people don't know um, you know they, they, they paper plastic in, in in the trash bin paper plastic and 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 other stuff in the in, in the recycling bin people don't know so it's it's gonna take guys like you. Um, And so many others in our industry, um, you know, who who are out there, who are talking about it, who are who are making advocates right out in in society. Because at the end of the day, you know, this is this is something that affects us all. Uh, Right. We can all be better at this. Um, I fail in it every single day. Uh, But uh, but we've got to realize that, you know, resources are limited. I mean, you know, for every every aluminum can. You know, that's produced, you got that much weight times two, you know, in, in toxic aluminum uh, bauxite residue, right? So, so, you know, I mean, they're there, they're, even though it's recyclable, there's still a responsibility that we've got to take care of the aluminum that we do have uh, because it creates something toxic, agree. you know, three steps back. So it's it's a lot to think about. So, so yeah, definitely a non answer, but I think, I think we've got to make the right thing easy. And we got to start making business decisions led by leadership um, to, to make these improvements.
0: Yeah, I I'm totally agree. Actually, we, we had a conversation with the Scrap University. I, I don't know if you heard about them. Oh, they, yeah. they they make this book, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Awesome group of people, by the way. Oh, yeah, uh, they're doing, yeah, yeah, They're doing great things, yeah. yeah
0: actually, we we helped them on the Spanish version. Oh, yeah. And, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And I think their their approach is very, very nice because what they are trying to do is to the scrap jar into the schools because I don't know from your point of view, <clears throat> but mostly the people think that the scrap jar is a scary place, a very dark place that you cannot go there because it's dirty and it's noisy and it's uh, dangerous because all the equipment and the, the trash or the scrap you have around. But what they want to do is to, to, to show them that it's not like that and that you really can make money out of the recycling process. Now, saying that circular economy, because I know you talk about circular economy. How a scrap jar can go into the circular economy when you have like a broken, let's say, path between the scrap jar and the people that is like, uh, let's say, transforming the scrap into a new product. It's not broken 100%, but it's not completely merged. But I think that we have a really good opportunity to merge everyone there because what I am seeing. But this is something that I want to, to ask you later. But what I'm seeing here in the, United, in the United States is most of the scrappers are turning their heads and saying, okay, what if I become a foundry? What if I start melting down my own material? Because at the end, when you have your raw material, you have a little bit of power, right? Because you control the material, you control a little bit the price. The price is in the market, but you can play with it, but also you can give value at it to your process melting for for saying something. So how do you see the circular economy inside the scrap jar, and how this scrap jar can contribute to the uh, a bigger industry that is the recycling industry that is huge. It's not your the scrap yard. It's that I'm making this complicated no, question, right? It, no, it's, is that a it's, right it's, or it's wrong question here? Question.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, I, and I venture to say this because I don't have it completely flushed out, but I, I think the first thing to start thinking about is just the incentive structure, right? Like, you know, when I, when I was a baby scrap guy, you know, I'd go around and try and find the company with the biggest, you know, number of pounds of waste, scrap, right? Right. Um, you know, and that was wonderful. And, and and it's exciting when there's somebody who has a lot of waste scrap as part of their process. And, yeah. you know, I think I think looking backwards to where all that comes from, how can we maybe a solution to how these manufacturers produce that scrap and help them to reduce that, you know, mm-hmm. as part of the information that we can give them and the coaching and the conversation um, and what we're seeing in the data that we have, I think. I think eliminating it in the first place is, is key. I think, secondly, um, you know, when material does come in, right, as we talk about designing uh, for sustainability and designing for circularity, right, how do we have conversations with the manufacturers in the first place that says, hey, we get a bunch of this, you know, um, when it comes back after, after being used by a consumer, right? And it looks like this, and it's very difficult to break down. And it actually gets downgraded and sent to the lowest, you know, possible use for the material because there's no way to separate these things. And are there ways that we can design, you know, your products in a way that when it gets to the scrapyard, we right. can we can pop this off. We can do this. We can send maybe this piece back for remanufacturing for you, um, you know, and, and, and design those products so that when it does get to the end of life, when it does come to a scrapyard. Right, we we've got processes and ways to to help them out. Um, you know, I, I I think I think it just has to do with more conversations and 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 more collaboration. Right, and that has been I think the biggest thing. You know that, that I've learned through my time here is when I got started. Right, um, you know there there's an old scrap mentality that these guys are competitors and we don't like these guys. We don't work with those guys. These ones these ones are really really good. And you've kind of got this this kind of tribal uh, just perspective on things, but you know, honestly, you know, one of the biggest things I've learned is is the the projects that we have to create a sustainable society here uh, require radical collaboration. I mean, at the end of the day, we've all got to work together. We've got to be like farmers, right? You know, I mean, you know, farmers take care of each other. When one guy's crops go down, the rest of the community comes and helps helps them out, right? You know, um, similarly. Um, you know, we, we have got to all work together to get the messaging out. We've got to all work together to, to find solutions to collaborate, um, you know, with some of the biggest, you know, sustainability issues that we see, um, out there when it does come to recycling. So I, I, I think, you know, that's a direction that I see everybody moving. And it's super exciting because that, that I think is a big part of what, uh, what it's going to take for us to really make, make an impact.
0: Yeah, I I'm totally agree. And and this uh, take me to the next question. Do you think that the scrap jars will become foundries in some point? Or do you think that they will partner up with some of the existing foundries in order to be more efficient, more profitable? Because at the end, sorting and selection of a scrap in the right scrap is something that we need as a foundry to have like a partner up with people like you, in order to understand how to make everything better, how to be more profitable, how to have a better aluminum recovery, is talking about the aluminum side. How? Uh, wh- what do you think? Do you think everyone is going in that direction, as you just said, that is moving there? Or we will see a lot of different companies like this company that is huge and has a lot of time in the market turning into a totally different industry? Because it's not easy, right? Recycling is huge, but one thing is scrap sorting selection and all what and all this stuff that you do in a scrapyard but it's a totally different approach when you have a foundry because you need to understand the technology you need to understand alloys for example evs the electrical vehicles are bringing totally different alloys maybe they are not so different but it's different and in some point those alloys are not that easy to handle How do you see that transition? Do you think it's going to happen or partially or definitely it's not going to happen, but more partnered up? Yeah, I mean,
1: I'm certainly not privy to what what other folks are thinking, uh, but I I would be in the mindset that, you know, we've all got to do what we can do very, very, very well. Um, And I think if you start trying to do too many things, um, you know, that are outside of your wheelhouse, you know, I mean, there are folks that do that and are very successful at it. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we we need to stop looking at the scrap recycling industry like a, like a sledgehammer and think about it more like a scalpel. Um, you know, where there's specialists, where it's precise, where you know the folks who are are, are the very best at doing these particular things are going to do those things. One thing I will say though is I I, I think people will probably start looking at um, the the um carbon emission effects of where they're sending their scrap right um you know once it's processed once it's going to the foundry right are you going to mm-hmm. send it across the country or across the world for a couple more cents or are you going to consider hey there's one there's one right here in the state that i'm in you know can i send it there uh, you know and, and, and reduce this amount of carbon emissions as, as part right. of what i'm doing, do mm-hmm. uh, you know if we're, if we're talking about sacrifices that big businesses have to make right to, to be mm-hmm. sustainable well, what what sacrifices are we willing to make to uh, to to be more sustainable and how and where we're selling materials? So I you know, it's, maybe it's not an easy decision.
0: Might it's not an yeah, easy decision yeah. because at the end we're talking about money but yeah. when you go everyone is talking about zero carbon footprint aluminum but they are they are not taking in account transportation gas emissions all this stuff that make that you need to add into the carbon footprint uh that you are creating out of the, the their process but, but I, I really think that you are totally right now it is simple for you like uh, as a scrap jar to deal with all this new stuff that we are seeing right now out there like for example tesla vehicles that they have like a huge aluminum frame instead of all these small parts that we, we are used to it, right? How easy yeah. is to deal with that? Or oh, how hard?
1: Yeah, well, I, uh, we, we have not seen a Tesla come through our yard yet. But I will tell you, um, I'm I'm super excited about everything that's happening um, mm-hmm. in that space. I was actually able to go to um, an EV battery uh, critical material recycling conference in Atlanta uh-huh. a few months ago. Um, maybe we'll put it in the link when you post this. But it, it was sure. incredible. And I highly encourage anybody who's going to touch that stuff, which I think we all are. Um, to to attend um, you know but I, I can tell you the biggest players in that space are talking to the GMs and the Teslas and determining the processes uh, to to design for recycling and handle that material on the back side of that I mean at the end of the day you know here's the other thing too I mean we talk about um, you know the the two to one ratio of aluminum to, to the toxic toxic stuff mm-hmm. it makes um, producing it you know, it's, it's way worse when you start talking about cobalt and lithium and where all that stuff comes from. And, and, um, you know, at at the end of the day, we're, we're all responsible for the material that, that we have and we can use, and we've got to continue using it in its highest and best form for as long as we can. And as we, as we think about, um, you know, the the design of these these new products, uh, certainly the EVs, um, you, you also come into a spot where it's, where it's national security, right? We don't have huge, you know, uh, deposits of all these critical materials, right? They're all in other places. So, you know, as, as you think about, um, you know, the manufacturers actually wanting to lock down their own supply chains, right? What happens in the future? Do you actually own the battery that's, that's underneath your Tesla? You know, in the future, I don't think you will. I think you're going to lease that battery and it's going to be tracked and it's going to have to go back into the manufacturer's supply chain to make another battery at some point. I, I don't think in the future you're going to get to pick, you know, what what happens to that battery when you're done with it. I think I think it's going to be locked down for future batteries. And, and so I think a lot is going to change, um, you know, as we look into the future, as we start realizing, you know, the limitations of, of what we can get, you know, what our supply is and the demand, you know, as we, transition to the electrification
0: yeah yeah i'm totally agree with you so tim um we've been sitting here for 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 a while i don't want to take more time from your time as a final question what is this recommendation from yard that you can give to the people that is out there thinking about recycling, thinking about being more sustainable, thinking about circular economy. What are those tips that you, from the basic, the the, the foundation from the recycling industry can give them?
1: Um, two two ways I'll go with it. If you're not in the recycling industry and you're watching this, you know, go, go see a local recycling yard, right? If, if you're in St. Louis or near any one of our 10 plants, uh, kind of across uh, the South, um mm-hmm. reach out to me i'll take you through one learn about it see it touch it um it's super important to understand what happens with all that um you know and, and anybody in this industry would gladly open their doors in my chin. um yeah. if you are part of this industry um continue with your education i, I just completed some continuing education um and you know I, I had been in the business for five years when i started that i thought i understood recycling i thought i understood um you know you know the industry that i'm in and I realized how little I actually knew and how little I still know and and how big this world is and how complex, you know, the potential issues and the opportunities are. Right. Like, I mean, you talk about the EVs like that. That's a monster opportunity You talk about solar panels. That's a monster opportunity. Right. I mean, these things are are incredible, incredible um, things for us who are so so lucky to be positioned in the recycling and sustainability space. Right to be to be on the forefront of, of a lot of this. Um, so so keep learning. It's a big world. There's a lot going on. There's there's no matter how long you've been in this. There's there's always something new to learn. And yeah. uh, and then you know do do what you're doing, Julio. Keep keep talking to people. Keep keep getting out there. Build the network. That you know I don't care what anybody says. This is this is always going to be. A business of relationships, no AI, none of that other stuff is going to replace it. might augment it a little bit, but th- this is relationships. That's all it is. Build, build your network. Number one thing you can
0: do. Yeah, I totally agree. And thank you so much. And Tim, again, thank you so much for being here with us. I I really appreciate it. It was really, really fun to talk to you. And hopefully it's not going to be just the first time. It's the first time for several ones that we will uh, see each other. And well, we will do a lot of different more things. We will keep Uh, you post and um, if you have anything that you want to share with the people out there just let us know we will be more than happy to be like a platform for all these people that is doing something great for the aluminum industry and the recycling industry so thank you so much for being here with us i really appreciate it
1: yeah my pleasure my pleasure
0: okay take care thank you so much bye